it is well with our soul. I love that verse where it says, seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart, right? When we seek God with all of our heart, and that's what we're here to do today is to seek God with all of our heart, connect with him, to know him, to find him, to connect with him again. It is well with our soul because we know a God who loves us and we know what he has for us. You guys can have a seat. I want to welcome you guys, whatever campus you're joining us from in our family of campuses. Maybe you're online. Maybe you're in Big Brother Webster out there in Webster. Give us a shout. Maybe you're in the room today or maybe you're thinking of being part of Baby Campus Brighton. We have a little... A little pregnancy, right? And it's going to be a launch this fall with Baby Campus Brighton. So we're really excited to see what God's going to do there and how he will use that new campus in his plan to reach Rochester and saturate it with the gospel. My name is Noah, and I wanted to start with a little story this morning about myself. And this is really revealing, so just hang in there, all right? So um, I, was, I was always good with numbers, and I was always terrible with words, like awful at spelling. Like every time their spelling test came around, I was like bawling, you know? It's like, no, not a spelling test. I can't take another one of these things. So bad at language. But I was always good with words. And so I went into accounting, and naturally, I went into accounting, and it was, I was good at it, you know? I was like, ah, I can do this. And so kind of went down that path, but your career in accounting kind of culminates with this moment called the CPA exam. And I, if I had ominous music, I would play it right now, like, dun, because the CPA exam is awful. It's awful. There's four parts of it, and 50% of people pass, and 50% of the people fail each part. So you've got to pass all these parts, and so it's like you pay all this money for training, and you've already taken all these classes in, in college for it, and then you're going to pay for extra training. What a racket. Extra training on top of that. So five grand for the study material, and then you're studying hundreds of hours at a time for this test. And I'm like, man... This is, a, this is terrible, right? All my free time is studying for this test. So I'm getting ready for this thing, but my whole life is kind of leading up to this moment, right? This is where God, where you're leading me to, is to be an accountant. Um, and so I, I passed three parts of this exam through ups and downs, a lot of hard work. And um, I was on the fourth part, and it was called audit. And I was not good at audit. And so audit, I had taken, and I failed it. And I was like, no, I can't fail this exam. And there's only an 18-month window in which you can taste these exams. So I had everybody praying as I took audit again. So the second time I took audit, I had everybody who I know is spirituals praying, right? My dad praying, my grandpa's praying. You, everybody who I knew, the HR department was praying at work. You know what I mean? Like, they're like, come on, Noah, like, let's go. They're checking in, calling me, like, how did you get your scores? No pressure, right? No pressure for this exam. So you walk in there and you're like nervous as all get out. You like one bathroom break. You know what I mean? It's like ridiculous, you know, like, and you're in this testing center, like lock the door, you know, and like wand you down. It's wild. It's absolutely wild. So I took a test, felt fine about it. Walk, went home, logged on. And you know, you're like, I'm like, I don't even, I can't even look at the results, right? Like if I didn't get this, I didn't pass this test. Like what am I, I'm, what am I going to do with my life? Right? Like, this is like everything to me. I can't fail this. God, I can't feel this. I was on my face, just like, God, help me pass this, help me pass this. And so uh, with a nervous finger, when eventually the HR department bugged me enough to get me to click the link and look at what my score was, and you needed 75 to pass, and um, I clicked the link with a nervous finger, shaking a little bit as I did it, and um, that's what the results were. 74. Oh, oh. It was like someone had a rock'em sock'em glove and just punched me in the gut. You know, I was just on my knees for, I was just like, Lord, what are you doing? So I went on a long run that night and I was just sprinting. Just like, Lord, where are you at? What are you doing in my life? Like, why? Why me? 
doesn't make any sense. Well, I did it all right. I paid the money. I took the class. I, I studied the hours. I had you praying. Everybody's praying, right? Everybody that I knew was praying. Why me? It doesn't make any sense. I don't know, maybe you've been there. Maybe you've been there where you're like, man, God, what is your plan for my life? I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. Maybe you've been a Christian for years and years and years. You struggle with doubt. You're like, God, I don't get what your plan is. It doesn't make sense. It's not fair. It doesn't connect with me. It's not helpful. It just stinks. It stinks. Um, or maybe you're someone who just started coming back to church and you're like, yeah, I'm going to check out this whole church thing and I'm not really sure about it or whatever, but you're like, what's God's plan for my life? I'd like to learn. And I just want to know what a church would have to say about God's plan for my life. We're, we're glad that you're here. Or maybe you're someone who you accepted Christ as your savior, but you're kind of like, it didn't really change me that much. I feel kind of the same. I feel like, it, it, whatever, like it is what it is, but what's God's plan for my life now that I'm a Christian? It's, it's kind of just, I'm here, I'm living, but I'm the same person. So Paul's writing this letter to the Colossians, and all summer we've been reading through it as a church and studying it verse by verse. And so in this letter, he actually answers this question of, what is God's plan for my life? What is God's plan for your life? And so we're going to unpack that today and walk through the scripture. And Paul has this friend called Epaphras, and they're really tight friends, and they built this church over in Colossae, a, a, like kind of a church plant. It would be like Brighton if we had planted Brighton, then it was like their sister church or brother church, right? And so Paul's writing this letter to a church. It would be like Drew Carson writing a letter to Webster. And um, so he writes this letter, and basically here's what it says in Colossians 2, 2 through 7. You can follow along your notes, you can follow along behind me, or however you like. You, you do you. You figure out how you want to follow along. Colossians 2, 2 through 7 says, I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan. Okay, complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is, he's about to tell us, what is God's mysterious plan for our lives? Christ himself. Oh, thank you. Yes, we got a couple people. Christ himself. I like feedback from the audience, like a conversation for me, all right? So the more you can help me, whatever you do, clap, snap, stomp, whatever. I like snaps, but hey, if you whatever you do, you do you. Help me out here, all right? If you hear something good, tell me it's good. If you hear something bad, give me a boo, you know? Like, I'm good with a boo. I love it. Let's go. Um, God's mysterious plan for our life is that we know him. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I am telling you this so that no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I am far away from you, my heart is with you. And I rejoice that you are living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. So point number one from this passage is what's God's plan for my life? It's that I know Christ. God wants us to know Christ personally, individually, have a relationship with him and with his son. And see, in the time, he's writing this message to a church that's in a, a season of life where they're, they're, they're talking about Gnosticism. And it's this belief system that, that if they know enough good things, if they know enough, they can explain enough about the earth and about creation, about science, that they don't need God. So they're, trying, they're, they're creating this kind of belief system that they can know enough not to trust in God. And Paul's saying, don't miss it. Don't miss it. You need a relationship with God. It doesn't matter how much you know. If you don't know God, you're missing it. It doesn't matter what you know. It matters who you know. It doesn't matter what you know. It matters who you know. And Paul says, this is the most important truth that you'll understand. And a lot of times, I think even as, as Christians in a church, we raise kids to act right, look right, talk right, but we didn't introduce them to knowing God. And so, the true antidote to heresy and, and, um, and you know, the Gnostic heresy is that it's always a deeper and richer knowledge of truth concerning Jesus. In Christ lie all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. 
Christ is God's mystery, and understanding is to be found in him. Don't undervalue what you have in Christ. His relationship with you is the most important relationship in your life. And it's not about what you know. It's about who you know. And a lot of times we try to understand more, right? I think it's a detail. It's an equation to solve. If I just figure this out, if God, you tell me how, when, where, why, and all the good things, then I'll know God. But no, it's not like that. It's a relationship to foster. It's not a detail to understand. It's a relationship to foster. It's not an equation to solve. It's a relationship to foster. It's a God to love and to know who knows you and to get to know. Um, Paul says, we all want knowledge. We want to know God, but we don't want a relationship with God. We just want to know a lot about him. You know, we want to treat God like a vending machine or we'll pray to him when we need him, but we won't want to know him in the, in the hard places. So, so God's plan for our life is for you to know him. Let's keep reading in verse six. It says this, it says, and now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him. Sign for ASL, roots grow down into him. Um, and that your lives would be built upon him. So we're trying to build our, our foundation on Christ and let our roots grow down into him. So the moment you've all been waiting for, uh, drum roll please. Okay, I have some trees here. Ta-da! Yeah, all right. So I went to Home Depot this week and I bought some trees. And you should have seen the look on the girl's face when I bought these trees because can you look at this beautiful tree, right? It's gorgeous. It's beautiful, right? Um, she was even more appalled when I said, it's tax exempt, it's for a church. She was like, you animal, why did you buy that? And these were her exact words. She said, well, if you water it, it might, it might come back. You know? And I was like, 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 have you, like, have you seen this tree? You know what I mean? Like, like you sold me this for $20. And told me that, I was like, I don't know. So Home Depot, good on you. You know, you sold a twig. Um, but I don't know if that's going to stay. I have to muscle it in there. There you go. Uh, and so there's a couple uh, things we can learn from this passage. And that as we set our roots down into Christ, we grow in him. We look more and more like this tree over here, right? We don't want to look like, like that, right? We don't want to look like that. Um, I don't want to look like that. So tree number one is rooted in Christ. It has firm roots in Christ. It's centered, it's grounded, it's connected, it's rooted in Christ. Um, and, and there's a Bible study, a study Bible that I read that says this, and I really liked it. Um, it's a commentary. It says, just as a tree draws its sustenance and stability from its roots, we are called to draw our strength and nourishment from our deep-rooted faith in Christ. Our faith is not based on shifting sands or wisdom of the world, but on the unchanging truth of God's word. As we walk in Christ, we're continually being built up in him, growing in our understanding and application of truth. It's by maintaining a strong connection to God and his word that we may be able to navigate the challenges and uncertainties of life. You grow grounded, you grow centered, you grow firm, you grow connected, you grow passionate, you grow intentional, you grow on purpose, you grow with God, you set your roots down deep into the soil that is the gospel. And this tree becomes alive, right? Alive in Christ. This tree is alive. Then we come to this tree. This tree is flimsy. It's weak. It's, it's not growing. It's dead. It's fake. It's not good, right? This guy is not doing too hot. Um, and so this tree is apart from Christ. Tree number two is apart from Christ. In John, 
Um, 15, Jesus says this to, his, to us and to his disciples, abide in me and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing apart from Christ. And tree number two is apart from Christ. There's no roots. It's not connected to anything. It's dead in its sin. Romans says we were dead in our sin. It compares our sin to like filthy rags. It compares our good works to filthy rags. Um, and I think a lot of times we as Christians try to put fruit and leaves and grow nice things in this tree. We look right, talk right, act right. We teach our kids to look right, talk right, act right, to walk in here and serve on Sunday and do the right things but we don't have a connection with God while we do it. We just do it to look good, to be good, to, to sound good, to be a good moral person, but not to grow in a relationship that's alive with Christ. And the Bible compares uh, us as dead in our sin. It compares us to an unfaithful slave or servant who runs away from his master, and the master actually marries the servant. He says, I want to marry you. I'll take care of you. I want to know you the way that, that Christ knows us. He wants to know you. God wants to know you that way. He wants to marry the bride of his church. And the, and the unfaithful servant runs away again and again. And we run away from God over and over and over. And we're embarrassed and we're full of shame. And we stand up there and we're sold at a price to our sin once again. And Jesus said, and God says, I will pay the price for you. I'll redeem you. I'll buy you back. I will pay the price that's my son. And you don't, you're, not, you don't, you're embarrassed and you're gross and you're, you're, it's nasty and it's full of shame. But I want you to be alive with me. I don't want to become, Jesus didn't come back for bad people, right? Bad people are who Jesus loved. He came back for dead people. He came back to help dead people regain life in him, to be resurrected in him. He didn't come back to make dead, good, bad people good people. He came back to transform souls. He didn't come back for behavior modification. He came back for soul resurrection, right? He came back to resurrect your soul. He came back to give you new life in him so that you can abide in him and know who he is. He didn't come back to make you look good, talk good, be good, give you good things to do for him. He came back to change your life, to change your, resurrect your soul. And maybe you're somebody who's sitting in here and you say, man, I don't, know, I don't know that I know God. I feel like I do the right things. I try to do the right things. And that's kind of what I'm trying to figure out. Man, we are here for you. You're in the right place. This place exists for you. If you're someone who doesn't know Christ, I would encourage you to talk to the person who brought you. Talk to me. Talk to the prayer team down front after. We want to help you to get to know God. There's a place for you in his kingdom, and he wants you to be alive with him, connected with him, to know him, to be close to him, to feel him close to you. And so if that's you, I just invite you to talk to somebody. You can't leave without talking to somebody. It's so important that you know God. It's the most important relationship in your life. Do not undervalue it. Do not underinvest in it. I mean, maybe you're somebody who's here and you say, man, I, you know, I, I understand God, you know, God. I know God. He knows me. I listen to him. I hear his voice. I hear him. I listen to him. And I'm like this tree over here. Well, the next verse is for those of us who say, yeah, we do, we do know God. And verse 7 says, then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. When you understand the bad things that you were shamed, that you were filled with, the embarrassment, how disgusting our works were, 
then you understand, you'll overflow with thankfulness and gratefulness when you understand how much life we have and have in full in Christ. When you understand how dead we were and how alive we are now, you'll overflow with thankfulness and gratefulness for what you were taught in truth. Um, just like David, Dave talked about last week in his message, it was such a good message, by the way, Dave, killed it, I loved it. Um, the, the thing that I loved the most was the laps. And so it just stuck with me. Just because we ran a great first lap does not mean we're going to finish strong. And so the, this, this verse says, continuing to grow strong. Don't give up after running good, one good lap, right? Our life needs to finish strong. We need to continue to grow in Christ and set roots that grow in him down deep into the soil of the gospel. And there's this kind of prayer that I'm tempted to pray a lot, and it looks a lot like this tree over here, but it sounds something like this. Lord, if you help me pass the CPA exam, I'll serve you with all the extra earning potential that I make from it. You know, I will do that. I'll give it to all the church. Imagine how many churches you can open, God, if you just give me all the earning potential for my CPA exam. Or maybe it's you. You, you see those lights flashing in the back window, you know? Woo, woo, woo. Fingers grab the steering wheel. Lord. Oh, Lord, if you get me out of the speeding ticket, oh, I'll go to church for a month. I'll go to community group. I'll pray. I'll serve. I'll serve in middle school ministry if you want. You know, I'll do whatever you want, God. And not to say middle schoolers are bad. I was a middle schooler. I was terrible. But just saying, whenever that, that point hits, right, it's like, man, God, I'll do whatever you want. I'll be whatever you want, God. I'm here for you, God. I'll do whatever you want. Or maybe it's the Taylor Swift tickets. You know, I don't know. Maybe you got some Swifties out there. And they're like, Lord, if you give me these Taylor Swift tickets, I, if you just let me get a Capital One card so I can get a Taylor Swift ticket, then I, I will forever, I will forever go into a nunnery, never look at a man again, and just serve you in my entire life. You know, I'll never look back. God, it'll be for you. The rest is for you. But we pray these prayers of like transactional Christianity or a capitalistic society where we trade the good things we have for God's blessing on our plans. And we think, man, God, if you help me out over here, then, you know, maybe you could, then I can do this for you. And I've got this thing you want and we'll trade, right? And so when I'm praying for the CPA exam, I'm like, Lord, if you just help me pass, you know, it'll all be for your glory, you know? And that's me, right? That's my sinful motives. But the key is this in this passage. God didn't want me to pass or to fail the CPA exam. That wasn't his will for my life. His will was that I did it with him. His will was that I did it with him, that I failed with him, that I passed with him. That's the key, right? The key is to stop doing things for God and start to do things with God. So my question is, are you so busy doing things for God that you forget to do them with him, right? Even as I started to write this message, I thought, I'm going to write a great message, right? It's going to connect with the audience. I want to make them laugh. And I'll be honest, standing up here in front of this many people is kind of nerve-wracking because you're like, what are they all going to think of me? You know, like, what are they going to see? And I don't know, maybe awkward, you know? And what if I lose my place and then just all goes downhill? So you're worried about that stuff. And as you write this, you're like, Lord, I'm, you know, this is my job. I'm going to do this for you. I want to write a good message for you, God. And then I started reading more and more into this passage and it was convicting me because I thought, man, I shouldn't do this for God. I have to do this with God. So for about two weeks, I've been praying that you wouldn't hear this message for God, but that you'd hear this message with God, that he'd be in the seats next to me, next to you, that he'd be on stage with me, that you'd hear his voice in Webster, he'd be around you, he'd be holding your hand, holding your heart as you hear these words, that you'd feel close to Christ in this place, that you'd feel close to Christ in this moment. So often we get caught up in trying to do, 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 Imagine being married to somebody and all the young adults are like, whoo, 
Yeah, you said married? So imagine being married to somebody and they just only do things for you. Like they make breakfast, they, they, they travel the world, they send you gifts from Europe, they pack your bags, they fill your bank account, they do a ton of good stuff for you, but they never do anything with you. Imagine that. Imagine being with someone like that. And a lot of us treat God like that, right? We go around doing all these great things for him, serving him, kidsmen, coffee, hold the door, whatever you do. And then you're like, man, God, all these great things I did for you. Look at this pile of works I've piled up to impress you. Look at all the ways I serve you, God. Look at this great, this great thing I've done for you. And he's like, no, 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 Noah, Noah, I just want to be with you. I just want to do it with you. I just want to hold your hand as we do it together. I just want to write this message with you. I just want to deliver this message with you. Don't do it for me. It doesn't matter what you do for me. It doesn't matter how much you give me. Your, your works are like filthy rags anyway. Why are you trying to do this with, with me? Do it with me. Jesus didn't die to come back and convict us of our sin or to start a religion. He died to start a relationship with you and with me. He wants a relationship with you and with me. And a lot of us we stand out there and we make coffee and we, we give up a Sunday morning and we go to community group out of obligation, not out of opportunity, because we do it for God. We say, God, I'll give up this Sunday morning for you. I'll be here for you, God. But we forget to do it with him. And so I've been praying for the last two weeks that as we walk out of this place, that people hold the door with God, that people teach kids and kids men with God, that people make coffee with God, that there's God with our coffee, that it's not just our works, but that it's with God, that we know him, that he's connected to us, that we have a relationship that's alive, that's thriving, that's growing, that's rooted, that's centered, that's passionate, intentional, and purpose-filled, that it's alive, that we're not dead in our sin. So are you so busy doing things for God that you forget to do them with him? And so the application is this, and it's really easy, is where do you feel close to God? Go back to that place. Where do you feel like, man, this activity brings me closest to God? What activity in your life brings you closest to God? Where are you close to God? Maybe it's in community group. Maybe it's down front praying after a message. Maybe it's on the way to work, screaming to a worship song like I am, just raging fool. Or maybe it's on the way to school. Maybe it's on, you know, uh, over a, uh, I have a cup of coffee in the morning with the sunrise over it. Maybe it's in the quiet still of reading your Bible. Maybe it's with friends. Maybe it's on a mountaintop in nature. Where do you feel closest to God? Where are you connecting with God? Go back to that place. It says continue to follow and to grow in him, in your relationship with him, like you first were saved with the same passion, fervor. Remember, remember when you first trusted Christ, how excited, how on fire, how passionate and alive you were. Go back to that place. Follow that relationship. It's a foster relationship. It's not a thing to be done, but a relationship to foster, a connection to grow. We view God like a legal relationship where it's God, is this sin? Is this sin? Is this sin? If I, if I go here, if I look at this, if I say this, if I talk to this person, is that sin, God? I've said, how many times have I asked that question to myself? It's crazy. The real question we should ask, how close can I get to a loving father? How close to God? Does this activity bring me closer to God, to my father? Does this bring me a connected relationship with God? And so I'm going to give us a chance to act this out. I'm going to give us a chance to sing this out, to worship this out. And I just want you not to miss this opportunity. Don't let this 
door pass you by without running through it, right? There's going to be a prayer team down front. We're going to sing a song. So from the bottom of your lungs to the top, from the bottom of your heart to the top of your lungs, wherever you're at in your faith, maybe you need to cry, maybe you need to pray, maybe you need to get on your hands and knees, maybe you need to shout, maybe you need to jump for joy because you realize that you were dead in your sin and now you're alive in Christ. Maybe, maybe for you, it's just sit through the next service and just sit here and just pray and be with God and be with his people and not try and not try to do something but to just grow in your relationship with Christ. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's a conversation on the way home or maybe it's talk to your kids about knowing God for real and not just going through the motions. We don't want to raise kids who just go through the motions. We want to raise kids who know God for real, have a relationship with him. And maybe you're somebody who you don't really come down front for prayer and because you're kind of worried about what your tree might look like if you come down front for prayer, right? It's like, if I go down there, then they think, what kind of sin issues this guy got got going on? I I don't know if I want to be the one to prayer. It can't be about what people think. It's got to be about what God thinks. And so if you have a chance to get to know God better, you better take it because if he's offering a chance for you to get to know him better, you need to pray with him. You need to sit with him. You need to be with him. You need to connect with him. You have the chance. Do not miss it. Do not waste it. This is our chance to grow. And I love the lyrics of this song. It says, I just want you, God, nothing else. I just want you, God, nothing else. What are you trying to do apart from Christ? What areas of your life are you trying to live apart from Christ? Where do you need to reintroduce yourself to the the real life-giving relationship in Christ? I just want you, God, nothing else. Rooted in Christ or apart from Christ. Where are you at? How are you doing? Let's take a small next step to pray with someone today, to be with someone today who knows Christ. And let's live it out. Let's sing it out. I want to hear some shouts of thankfulness and joy from the bottom of our hearts to the top of our lungs. Let's stand to our feet and give God praise for all he's done and who he is and lift him up.